God, that sounds good. It's that week. Yeah, it is. Ooh. Oh. All right. Welcome to a very special U.S. Open edition of the Buttercut on the MWBK Creative Podcast Network. I'm your host. My name is Bradley Key, and I'm joined by my co-host, Peter the Irish Guy. Hey, what's up? What's up, brother? How's it going? It's great. Some of you may know Pete. He, did, he is the founder of our uh, critically acclaimed MLB podcast segment that will soon possibly be its own standalone show yeah, called we, we, Tight we, and High. Yeah, we may do something come playoff time come September. We'll, uh, we'll start to do our own little That's what little I'm thinking. We'll, yeah. we'll aim for October for you guys to, yeah, to venture off on right. your, own, your own deal. But as it is, you're basically critically acclaimed as like the next 60 minutes with this I cow think, segment. So I think, I think you're right. You guys are really breaking the, uh, breaking the mold with that, that, uh, that segment there. Yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, a little bit about Pete. I wrote up a little thing about you. I hope you don't mind do, me doing a best speech I'm, league I'm, into our podcast. Am I going to blush? A best man speech. Yeah, am I going to blush go. here? Let me, let me see. Okay, go I'll, I'll keep an eye on you. Go on, hit me with it. All right. Pete grew up in Ireland playing yeah. with the likes, playing golf that is, with the likes of Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry. Yeah, a Seamus Power. Shout out to Seamus Power and as Seamus well. Seamus Power. Actually, one of my, I have a fond memory of playing with Seamus because yeah. uh, it was in Waterford, which is where he's from. It's at Waterford's a town in Ireland. And uh, it was in, I want to say it was in the Irish Boys or something like that. And we played together in uh, in the last round. So what are you, like 13, 15? No, like uh, no, we were, we were older. We would have been... Would have been sixteen or seventeen, and okay. Seamus was one of the you know one of the good guys, one, one of the, of the one, yeah one of the premier kids, and it was I just remember going oh yeah it was such a treat to be able to play with him that day, um and yeah unbelievable putter lovely fella, so down to earth as everyone is from Waterford but. Yeah, fond memory of that. I'll never forget the first time you were on the Buttercut when it was yeah. just a segment, and you told us about how you could hear Rory McIlroy's hips clearing yeah. when uh, he was swinging a golf club. Yeah, amazing, amazing thing that uh, that I remember. So, I so, just never heard anything like that before. <laughs> it was amazing. So after after he grew up in Ireland, yeah. Pete moved to the States. He yeah. played four years of D1 college golf. Yep. Finally, Pete played professionally for six years, grinding yeah. on many tours around the States. Before grinding moving, is an understatement. Grinding hard <laughs> yeah. on many tours around the United States before yeah. moving to Austin, Texas, yep. which is where we are today. Pete is our resident expert and on all professional aspects of the golfing world. And, uh, and every other sport, yeah, really, to be honest. You're going to add credibility to our golf knowledge and yeah. our ability to booze. Exactly. Pete yeah, goes exactly. hard on the booze, too. Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, um, don't say that too late, but no, we do. I'm being. I'm from Ireland. It's no surprise that um, Irish people love to drink. It is what it it's is. It's one of those stereotypes that it's, one of the true it, ones. It's one of the true ones. Can't really deny it, it. No, it's a stereotype for a reason. All right, cool. Well, there you have it. You have been announced. You have been introduced. Yeah, Ralph, you didn't make me blush. You didn't make me blush too much. You're not feeling too blushy. No. Hey, you need Ralph, to drink a little more. He's, yeah, Ralph, you need Ralph's to calm down. Ralph's licking the here. back of my head right now. He's my dog. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, Ralph is a. One-year-old Bernadoodle, he weighs 110 pounds, and he acts... I mean, he weighs as much as I do. He is a terrorist. And by as much as I do, I mean 250 pounds. <laughs> this is what I mean by that. He carries Just himself well. Not that I he weigh 110 pounds. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm like him. I'm tall, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah Athletic. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I always compare Ralph... Uh, do you watch any college basketball? Yeah, I watch a lot of college Ralph, basketball. Ralph's a Zion Williams of his puppy class. Uh, wow. Like, he's like That's a, a 280-pound ballerina doing 360 dunks and Okay, shit. okay. Okay, so a couple house notes. 
notes before we get into the meat of this bad boy. Yeah. So like I said, we're here for the U.S. Open. We're doing all U.S. Open talk. You will hear nothing but golf talk on this particular podcast. Pete and I are going to bring you all the action, all the storylines, so all, all the, the people history, here. all the goods, man. It's yeah. going to be great. Before that, let me tell you a little bit about how this is going to play out here uh, over the next couple of months for the Buttercut. For the next couple of months, as I said, for yeah. the, actually it's probably in the next couple of weeks, yeah. we'll be releasing on the Backdoor Cover podcast uh, feed, which is what we're doing right this second. Yeah. <clears throat> in July, when the Open Championship is scheduled, we plan to do our own full launch where we will launch into Fantastic. a Buttercut-specific podcast feed. Yeah. So for the next couple of weeks, maybe six weeks, you guys, anytime you see something that's specifically the Buttercut and then a the name of a tournament, you'll know. It's just golf talk. We would love you to join us. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate your ears. Yeah, I, I've we appreciate a, it all. I have a lot of good things to be talking about for um for the Open. I've played Portrush many times. It's going to be a fucking amazing. Yeah, can't wait. Because like, that's your neck of the woods, right? Yeah, obviously, yeah. But it, but, you know, the Open Championship moving to Ireland is a... Uh, it's a very important thing for any Irish golfer. It's 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 incredible. It wasn't... It's the last time it was played there was in 1946. And um, yeah, it's a massive deal. And like, yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. The fans are going to come out. The golf course will look, is going to look spectacular. Uh, I hope they get a little bit of weather and stuff like that to where, you know, the golf, co- golf course can show its teeth. Sure. But yeah, look forward to it. So your boy Graham McDowell actually just qualified mm. to play. It's Graham. Mc- so just to correct you, right? Yes, please do help me. Well, and this isn't a knock on what you because, listen, it's Graham McDowell everywhere else in the world except Ireland. What is it in Ireland? I so thought- it's Gray McDowell. McDowell? Yeah, McDowell. So you say it as if... You roll out the O. Yeah, the O is more pronounced. So it's it's pronounced Gray McDowell. Okay, so here's the deal. Yeah. Our goal is to launch during this Open Championship. Yep. By the following one... We're going to be so big, they're going to fly us out there for free, and I'm going to have to nail my Graham McDole uh, <laughs> yeah. pronunciation before I get there. Perfect. Okay. I've, I have a couple of good Graham McDole stories as well, actually, I can't wait. When, he, uh, he, when he came here for the match play. Yeah. So some drunken nights at, uh, at a bar called the Dogwood downtown. So for those yeah. of you who don't have not listened to us talk on the Buttercup podcast previously uh, on Backdoor Cover Podcast, Pete had some... Uh, l- Epic nights, I guess, is what you would call yeah, that? Yeah, always went, fun. You guys went hard we during did. the... We, we the, did, listen... The, Dell Technologies yeah, the Dell match, match play, play here in Austin. In Austin where the, this March. Yeah, where the 64 best players in the world. Well, ever since I came here, we've uh, we've kind of done it. And me being friendly with Shane Lowry, um, he's always very good to me in terms of giving tickets. And he's always... He's up, generous. Very generous and always up for a good time. One, it, it, one, it's a trade of Irish people, especially famous Irish sports stars. Sure. We're very humble and uh-huh. down-to-earth kind of people. And... They kind of never, you know, they never forget where they came from and no one ever gets too big for anything. And so kind of Shane, Shane is very typical of that and very nice and then loves coming to Austin. I don't know why, but Shane's always been one of my favorite players. Yeah, he's just I he's think just it was so right likeable. when I started really being a fan of the PGA, he was hot. Like it was yeah. him and Rory were kind of coming around. I think it was right. a, an open championship yeah, that he was the US, Well, the US Open at, at Oakmont is that what a few it, years ago with the one that DJ that won. Was. Shane had a three-shot leak on it the last round. Yeah, I just remember... Like as I as I started becoming more and more interested as like an adult yeah. PGA watcher, like he was on the scene. Yeah, I just like yeah, Sugar Shane. That's like just, a calling. He's just very likable. He got he, a good swing. I like his swing too. He, uh, uh, listen, there's no weakness in his game. That's the thing about him. Yeah, he is. He's good at everything. He's a good driver. Of the golf ball. 
He's a good iron player. His short game, his hands are unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable his chipper. hands look like they're incredible. And he's a fantastic, he is a fantastic putter when he's on, right? He's one of the best putters in the world, so. Okay. All right, so Ralph. So that's it. Ralph, Ralph, you need to go over this. Ralph is, is molesting <laughs> Pete the Irish guy, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. Here, we're going to make it. Now he's, now he's pawing your back. Yeah, okay. Let's get into the actual yeah, tournament. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. You ready? I can't wait. Th- this week is, it's one of the best weeks of the year. Other yeah. than Masters Week, you know, it's it's the two opens are. I was curious about your perception incredible. of the U.S. Open versus, versus the, the Open. The Open, Open. Yeah, I think it's probably like. Why don't they call it the British Open anymore? It, well, I'll tell you why they don't call it the, the British Open. Um, so the they don't call it the British Open because the RNA. So the so like the RNA patented the term the Open. So okay. the Open. The reason it's called, you see, the Open is... What's the RNA? The RNA is the Royal and Ancient Golf oh, Association. I which, thought you were saying the IRA, like the Irish <laughs> Republic. I was like, what? Okay, now I'm with you. Yeah, no. So the RNA is the Royal and Ancient Golf Association. They're essentially, they're the USGA of Europe, right? Okay. So the two important golf bodies are the RNA and the USGA. The RNA run the European rules I and tournaments, right? And the USGA run the American ones. And... The RNA patented the term the Open. So the US Open and the USJ can never ever call theirs. on any there's the Open. Right. Because that is the British Open. Right. Quote unquote. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get into the US. Let's Open. do it. You ready? Yeah. All right. Pebble Beach is set to host the one hundred and nineteenth edition of the US Open this week. How do you feel about Pebble? Have you played there? No. What do never you know played. about? Actually, my dad just texted me today. Um we were texting back and forth, and he did mention. Uh, I was telling him, so I'm doing this podcast later, and he said, because you know, one of the things that makes me uncomfortable at Pebble is the five hundred fucking dollars it costs to go fucking play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's a. It, it, although the course is probably packed, and they can charge whatever the fuck they want, right? But I mean, it's a wait list. Yeah, but listen. Like he's not wrong. Like this, it's a public golf course, right? right? So, so the you know, I'm we're going down to Tory Pines at the end of July to go play Torrey another P- public golf course. Yeah, and t- Tory Pines, two golf courses. One's a hundred dollars. The other's two hundred dollars. Reasonable. They're fantastic, but that's you can afford that. Pebble <laughs> Pebble Beach is not affordable. No, it, it's Absolutely. not your common man's no. golf course. It is the as he said, it should be called the exclusive public. So I'm jumping in my course. notes here, but I've got. Uh, let's see here. A round at Pebble Beach in 2018 cost $525 for a greens fee, plus $40 for a cart, or $92.50 for a caddies fee for non-resident guests. So you're looking at like 700 bucks or so if you want to play in 2018. And I would imagine prices have gone up, uh, inflation, so on and so forth. I'm not an economist, but I've got a feeling that that's how that works. Yeah. So, not to jump ahead. Twice, actually. An, an early storyline. So how this is going to play out is I'm going to give you guys, we're going to talk through basically an overview about the U.S. Open, a little bit of history about the course Pebble Beach. Yep. We're going to talk a little bit about like historical performances, that kind of stuff. And then we're going to dive into storylines for this week, which is kind of the meat of the podcast. Yeah, the storylines are the meat of it. So we're going to get to that eventually. But first, because this is Pebble Beach, and it just so happens to be a storyline for this particular podcast, here it is. This is the 100th anniversary of Pebble Beach's existence. And it has been, it has delivered U.S. Open champions of Jack Nicklaus, 
Tiger Woods, Tom Kite, Tom Watson, and Graham McDowell. So it's had five previous uh, U.S. Open tournaments, and all of them are the most prestigious yeah. possible winners you could have. Yeah, well, three of the five are three of the greatest players that have ever walked the face of the planet. So right? you're cutting Watson off or Kite? No, Tom Kite. Jesus, don't <laughs> fucking... Why you do fucking take that back immediately? Well, Tom, so I, went, I grew up Tom, with Tom Kite's kids. He was no, like a fucking I know, I know you did. Tom Kite also hit one of the worst golf shots ever recorded on live television. Mm. Have you seen that? No. That YouTube video? I gotta look it up. Oh, God. They we got do it on that. YouTube? Yeah, if you go on YouTube right now and you put in Tom Kite worst golf shot, it is one of the most outrageously bad fucking golf... This is exactly it. I don't have my you computer gotta, plugged in to play this, yeah. but I will post okay. it on uh, the it is, on the Buttercup podcast. It's too. A, he t- almost kills. The ball goes directly left twenty yards he straight. Yanks in, it, Shanky. It's a, yeah. It's like a hosel rocket that goes left. So he has uh, he has inflated lore around here just because he grew up no, in well, Austin. Yeah, you know what I'm I, listen, I know I'm a. So that's why listen, I, I had I had uh, inflated I, his self worth. Awesome ACC, Awesome Country Club is one of my favorite places. Sure, I won the Harvey Panic Invitational there. Tom Kite has his own statue there. So let me tell you something. I have a lot of history. There. I love that place. I grew up like maybe a seven iron from that course. Like yeah. literally, I was born in this house. My parents still live in it. Yeah, I have never played that course. Oh wow! How is that possible, Brad? I know people, Brad. We just can ask, you help me, Brad? Just ask me. You can help, Brad. I'm, yes. I'm gonna ask an, a dude who is transplanted from Ireland yes. to help me get on a course <laughs> that I was born 15 feet from. Brad, I've played it an inordinate amount of times. When my dad has come down, my dad has played it twice. He the first even, time I saw it was when I paid Ireland. for a ticket to go watch Del Match play in my, like 2015. My, my dad lives in Seattle. Has you know. It comes down here. Comes to, he's just been an awesome lot. He's played it, I think, at least twice. Well, you got to help me out, buddy. Yeah, we got to. Okay, this podcast's gonna blow up. Then we're gonna go play some yeah, some luxurious golf. In the meantime, let's get so, back yeah, to the so program. The, so three of the five greatest players of all time: Tom Watson, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods have won both U.S. Opens at Tory at uh sorry Pebble okay. Beach. Yeah. So, which is. You don't, there is, it's not always held at Pebble Beach for those of you who are unfamiliar with kind of how this is set up. So the U.S. Open is scheduled every year so that it falls, so that the final round falls on Father's Day. Falls on Father's Day, which is the third uh, Sunday of June. You know whose birthday it is this Sunday? Who's that? Phil Mickelson. He's going to turn 48 or 49. Holy crap. He turns 49 on his birthday on the last round of the U.S. Open on Father's Day. That's incredible. And he's come runner up six times. Another storyline. Fucking more. How outrageous is that storyline? It's going to be amazing. I mean, I hope he makes a cut. I listen. I mean, he already won at Pebble earlier this year too. Yeah, uh, we'll, February he won the AT. Yeah, we'll get into that. I mean, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. It's worth fucking nothing. Okay, so let's week. set this up for the yeah, uh, the casual up. fan, and for those of you yeah. who are already very familiar, I apologize. Just just yeah. bear with us. Okay, so. U.S. Open play is characterized by tight scoring at or around par by the leaders. Yeah, even USGA lives and breeds at even par. That's their goal. That's their fucking goal. That's their mission in life. Is if you finish at even par, you are going to win our golf tournament. So the winner usually emerges at or around even par. uh, And that's kind of generally what you're getting out of the... The U.S. Open. That's not always the case, as no, we'll cover it, here in a second. I, absolutely, yeah. Not always the case, but more often than not, it is the case. So getting back to where the 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 venue, the host venue of the tournament, uh, the U.S. Open is staged at a variety of courses, 
Uh, let's see. A U.S. Open course is seldom beaten severely, as we just covered. Yep. There have been many over-par wins. Yep. Normally, an open course is, I've got some bullets here, long, yeah. and will have uh, a high cut of primary rough. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Undulating greens. Yeah, well, yeah, n- yeah. Sometimes subtle. Oakmont may be one of the most famous, tr- more traditional U.S. Open venues and known as the most difficult golf course uh-huh. in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't have doesn't have really really slopey greens, right? But they're really really difficult. So for those of you who are new or listening for the first time, a game Pete and I basically play, and it's our favorite game, is I read shit that I read off the internet to him, <laughs> and he tells me why that's nerdy or stupid. Yeah, well, and listen, so that's golf, what we're doing right here. Yeah, golf is just golf is a way too nerdy sport. <laughs> And uh, a lot of golfers, especially pro golfers, get as, get abused for being far too nerdy. I like to think I try and bring the nerdiness down sure. in the sport. No, you're helping. As someone that has played every other sport my whole life and was way more interested in every other sport until I realized, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this one. That, that's kind of the reason. You I always golf, realize it too late with golf, man. Well, not for me, but but yeah. But you said you were interested in like yeah, all the other sports. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I played. You couldn't get passionate f- about soccer, it rugby, tennis, every other sport, and then all, those all Irish of a sudden, late, yeah, exactly, all the Irish <laughs> sports. Until later in life, um, kind of got into golf, but but no, yeah, I think um, yeah, the course setup, it's very, it's going to be very typical of U.S. Open. So this is a weird note that I had a hard time like digesting when I first read it. So this is the last of the four. Uh, descriptors of a typical u.s open course so two or three holes that are short par fives under regular play are changed into long par yeah. fours during the u.s open tournament which brings the total uh par down to 70, down to 70. yeah so why is that okay so the u.s so it, there's two things that you the usga love okay the usga love the winning score to be even par right so they and, don't get beat and the winning score to be 280. All right, 280 strokes means that that's it's just a, their favorite number. Means that it's par 70. Okay. So that's 70. That's right. And so you're right with that. Traditionally, they take two of the par fives that are the weakest par fives for the members and they change them into par fours. I'll give you a good example. I, yeah. put, I played in the 2008 US Open, or sorry, not US Open, US Amateur at Pinehurst. And 2008, you said? 2008 US Amateur. Danny Lee was the winner of that event. He's still on tour. Still on tour. Still a good player. Um, and I remember getting to... My brother caddied for me that week. I actually played... Practice round played... Um, we played about six holes with George Bryan. No shit. Yeah, one, the, the, one, of, the one of the Bryan brothers. brothers yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, so I remember getting to the eighth hole at Pinehurst, which was a converted part. So two, the two par fives that they took, the two par fives that they took and made them as par fours were number eight and okay. number 16. And I remember getting to the tee box and walking on the tee. And if you know anything about US Open or the US Amateur, the USGA, they put these fantastic uh, white signposts yeah, yeah. on the tee. Right. And it's, it's they're the same for both the US Am and, and the US Open, right? They're, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's these large signposts, and they have the USGA tee pegs, right? Which mm-hmm. is, there's just, it's just, as a golfer, it's just intimidating, right? right? And they have this giant signpost, and the signpost reaches up in the air, and at the top of it, it says hole number eight, par four yards, and it was like 517 <laughs> yards. And I just remember standing there just kind of going, and it, it, you know, it was one of those holes, like, 
I maybe I think I might have played a par five, a par four that was over five hundred yards, but it was probably way downhill or right. there was something going to. I remember standing on the tee and looking at it. Okay, par five, five hundred and seventeen, and looking out at the fairway, going, "Well, that fairway is like fifteen yards wide. And <laughs> it's kind of uphill. Like, what's going on here? I can't it's match this. Like, yeah, a, yeah, exactly. It all exactly. And it was and and it was one of those weeks where if you miss the fairway. I kind of I just looked at my brother and went, "All right, well, just give me sandwich." And okay, I'm wait. Just, I'm before you go on, I got two questions. Yeah. How much older is your brother? Or younger? He's younger. He's younger. two, two, two and a half years younger. Okay, so he's yeah. the, okay. He's the, he's the youthful. I'm the eldest. He's he's kind of giving you that youthful, brave yeah. feel, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's like, yeah. "You're good. Let's go." Yeah, absolutely. So, how big of crowds were you experiencing this in front of? So, because I it's yeah, big, right? Yeah. Well, it depends. It's shit. Your pants big, right? No. Well, no. Well, in front of yes and no. Okay. If you get to the match play. At the USM, yes. How that week, I actually we actually did play with a guy with a local guy from South Carolina, and we had one of the TV crews follow us. So I remember, uh, I was in the one of the fairways, and I was in one of the fairways, and uh, I remember kind of standing over the ball. And the first time ever this happened to me in my life, I was as I was standing over the ball. Yeah, I out of the corner of my right eye, I could see the cameraman. Laying down on the grass with a TV like army camera, man? yeah, with a, with the TV camera right on me, and I remember kind of just thinking, "Wow, this is bizarre," you know. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's one of those we, you know, and it's the one of the first, it's the first ever event I'd played in where they had the TV towers behind every green. So beyond having like a pretty sizable audience, then on top of that, you're on television. Yeah, you have the TV terrors behind every green. Everything's roped off, and everything is done like a. It, I mean, it's the what? It's like the it's probably the sixth biggest tournament in the world, the U.S. Amateur. You know, yeah, it's, it's that huge, big now. Definitely. So, um, I mean, yeah. every year, like when they're like listing a pedigree of people who are winners on the PGA, the, like routinely, the thing that the people list is U.S. Amateur. You know this yeah. whatever college deal or whatever so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's a humongous deal. It's a humongous tournament. It's, uh, incredible that you played in it actually, yeah. uh, especially at Pinehurst. Yeah. So yeah, Pinehurst is pretty special. All right. So my last note of the overview since 2018, we're looking at uh, what the rules are. Should this thing go into extra holes of play? So like if it's yeah. a tie on Sunday, since 2018, the USGA adopted a two-hole aggregate playoff format. Very odd. So obviously, yeah, traditionally it was the 18 holes the next day. Yeah, they played on Monday, which 18 was, holes. Which I think, you know, everyone, everyone kind of liked that. I, I think if you polled every golf fan about the U.S. Open playoff and the fact that if it's a playoff, you got to come back the next day, you got to go 18 more fucking holes and win again. That just, that kind of... That, that tells you how hard the U.S. Open is to win. It leads into the USGA being the best test. It kind of it fit the U.S. Open. It's interesting that they changed it. And I'll tell you this. So every single major, mm -hmm. all four majors, mm -hmm. have a different playoff. System? System. Like right. if so, there's an extra hole. Right. So the normal PGA Tour event playoff is just that you go back to number 18 and sudden death straight yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the Open Championship is a four-hole playoff. Okay. The uh, PGA is a three-hole playoff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now the U.S. Open is, two. is a fucking two-hole playoff, and the Masters it used to be a it used to be sudden death like one hole straight wow. away sudden death, starting on number ten uh -huh. 
Instead, it's just sudden death starting on 18 now. So so the Masters is a one-hole sudden death playoff. The U.S. Open is two. The PGA is three. And the Open is four. How interesting. Yeah, so I, I feel like the U.S. Open and the U.S.J., they may have been kind of pushed in that direction yeah. to fit that. I don't know. That's to fit the, the only, mold. The only reason that makes sense, yeah, right? Right. Like, why yeah. would it be that perfectly Right. Lined? Why would it be one hole, two hole, three, four? Yeah. yeah so it does. Because, so, like, previously for the uh, the U.S. Open, like, you look back at famous finishes, you've got Tiger versus Rocco. Unbelievable. And they had to go, not only did they have to go another 18, they, they had to go sudden death. Again. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they had to go to 18 19. wasn't enough. Exactly, yeah. That was incredible. Absolutely outrageous that someone like Rocco Mediate. With his fucking peace belt on, like oh. a little peace symbol on his belt buckle. Unbelievable. I'm, and I mean, the put the Tiger Man in 18, probably the, to one push of the most it into famous of all time yeah. ever made. Yeah. Incredible. So, now you know, in 2018 plus, you're looking at a two-hole aggregate playoff, and if they're still in a tie, they'll go into sudden death. Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's go into some history. History about the the, uh, the tournament and about the course. So... Uh, the U.S. Open was first played October 4th, 1895 on a nine-hole course at the Newport Country Club in Newport, in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yeah. yeah, you knew this. Well, I, I've played Newport Country Club. Sometimes I get excited when I surprise you with factoids. I didn't know if that one was going to get there, but I've got a couple more. Well, I, so here. I actually played New, Newport, Rhode Island. You Country have. Club. Is it still nine-hole? No, it's not. It's they figured out. the golf course. In fact, I actually held the course record. No at, shit. Yeah, in college. At Newport Ireland, but I only held it for about probably 14 minutes. That's good. So uh, Better than everybody else. So we finished third in the event in college. Okay. Uh, Texas A&M won the event. And What did you shoot? What was the record? I had shot 68, four under. It was really, really difficult golf course. I think sure. it, was, it was either 67 or 68. I actually can't really remember, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I remember getting in and them saying... That's a new course record. And <laughs> Were they grouchy? No. I just remember my coach going, yeah, that's the lowest shot, score ever shot here. And then Bronson Burgoon, who's on the I know P- that name. Yeah, he's, he's, on still P- on. he's on the PGA Tour right now. He could be playing this week. I don't know. Sure. But he's a PGA Tour member. He finished two groups after me. Uh, he won the event, and he shot 66. Uh, that was a new bitch. course record, yeah. So I held it for about twelve minutes. Time to fame, baby. I, I finished third individually, right? And number and in second was Andrea Pavan on the European tour from Texas and M from Italy. And, and first was Bronson. How did I get those fucking foreigners in I know, Texas a I know, unbelievable. And then first was Bronson Burgoon. Uh, but yeah, that was a little bit of... Uh, so that's a little history yeah, about little Newport, history, Country, Newport Club. Country Club. Uh, my co-host here held the course record. Yeah, for about 12 minutes. That's right. So the first U.S. Open, 10 professionals and one amateur entered the field. Yeah, so it doesn't count. A 21-year-old Englishman named Horace... Rollins, please correct me if I'm wrong. Horace Rollins, yeah. That sounds about right. One, he earned $150 plus a $50 gold medal. Yeah, you know how long it probably took him to get over to the U.S.? No, he was there at the time. Oh, he had well, just he had just de- like defected he, or whatever you call oh, it, not yeah. defected, but he, moved he spent over. like four months Migrated. on a f- boat. He was like a professional. Survived like, like gonorrhea area. and AIDS <laughs> and like the syphilis and the plague. He just finished coughing up a lung <laughs> yeah. and he went out there and won. Yeah, okay. So he's the first winner between that year was eighteen ninety five. Then until nineteen eleven, it was do- the U.S. Open was dominated by British wins, British yeah, player wins. It's oh, interesting, except um, it did not. The, the only so other, I got this the only right other three time winner. Yes, nineteen oh five to oh seven. Yeah, what's which his was name? a British guy. Oh, was it a British guy? Well, Wait, what's I may his be name? speaking out of turn. I'm going to get to him here in a second. Okay. So in 1911, which yeah. is the when the first okay John J McDermott 
Okay. That's how his McDerm- Americans say McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. <laughs> uh, became the first native-born American to win the United States Open. Wow. Okay. Previously, it was, like I said, dominated by British players. Since 1911, the title has mostly been won by players from the United States, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, it's been like 46 winners or something from the U.S. Yeah, but it, there was one like really weird streak in the early 2000s. So a streak of four consecutive non-American winners occurred from 2004 okay. to 2007. Well, well, okay, well, hang on. Does it sound familiar? Yeah, because Retief Goosen won in 2004 at right. Shinnecock. Right. Then 2004. This one's really out there. 2005. A New Zealander. Yeah, Michael Campbell at Pinehurst. Wow. Yeah. Then 2006. An Australian. Uh, He's actually the most, well, six. maybe the most. Well you would have had an Aussie. You would have had, who was it? Ogilvy. Jeff Ogilvy. He, he, he won at plus four at <laughs> Wingfoot. Okay. I know the score. Yeah, won at plus four at Wingfoot. And lastly. That's the one that, Colin, sorry, that's the one that Colin Montgomery, it's the one that Mickelson messed up where, yeah. he, where you win it. Like right. 15? But it's the one that Monty will rue the most where Monty was the he was going to win and he doubled the last uh, to miss the playoff he he had to make four to last to win he made six and didn't get in to a playoff uh, and then the last one after that was in 07 uh where is he from argentine oh and miguel angel at, um, uh, cabrera yeah miguel angel at uh or sorry angel <laughs> cabrera at um at oakmont that's it yeah that's it okay you're, you're pretty goddamn good. Yeah, my history's pretty good. I could probably tell you every winner of the U.S. Masters back to probably 77-ish. I no could go shit. in order. So yeah. you're a big fan. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan of the history. Yeah. Okay, good. So keep me in check here because I'm going to keep okay. on going. We're, okay. we're going into the course history now. We're going into Pebble okay. Beach specifically. All right. So like we said, it's in its 100th year. So this is its 100th birthday. It was, it was uh, Actually, founded funny, in 1919. Yeah, yeah, good story about the 100th year. So yeah. um, there's a big tournament in Ireland Uh the World Father and Son Championships okay. happens in Ireland in August at a golf club called uh, Waterville. So is it best ball or what? how do you play yeah, this thing? Yeah, it's you and your dad in two-man best ball, right? And it's three rounds of stroke play. Mm-hmm. Uh, handicap is involved, all that. But it's uh, I've never played in it, but it's a spectacular event. One of my best mates has played in it a bunch of times. You have like Dan Marino and Wayne Gretzky and <laughs> all the celebs go and play it. Sure. Amazing. They run it like a tour event as well. Really? There's cameras out there. They The the range is all perfect. There's a BMW on the par three that yeah, you win yeah, if you it, make the it's hole. A, it's a huge event. So this year is the 30th anniversary of the World Father and Son. No shit. Jointly, it's the 100th anniversary of Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. So they actually held a, a special World Father and Son Invitational just ah. just this past May in Pebble Beach. It was like a 2018 invite-only field. Myself and my father were actually got an invite to no go and play way. in it. Yes. And you didn't go? Well, here's the cover. It was 15 grand <laughs> to go fucking play. You get invited, it. but you got to pay. Well, yeah. So, Big boy numbers. Right. So, so, the, so the way the tournament was going to be be run was well, do you win money if you win well no no no. there's no cash there's a trophy and, there's and a, then it goes to yeah, like some, a charity or and something and then some good prize or something but it was one round at spyglass one round of pebble uh you get a practice round you stay at the at the uh pebble beach resort and this five star the fees, like all right that's so, it's all, so it, was, it was seven and a half grand a person so it was 15 grand before flights or anything out there yikes so yeah we were like i was like dad so we got the the, the person emailed me from the car family in ireland said would you like guys like to play and i was like well how much is it going to cost and she gave me all the details and i was like oh 
God, $15,000. Yeah, that's just too much money. I mean, you could do a lot of shit. <laughs> you could buy a goddamn car with 15 exactly. grand. Yeah, it's just too much money. We're not there yet. One we, day, man. One day we'll get there. One day they're going to call you up and be like, are, you are the Peter the Irish guy right, from exactly. the Buttercup. Exactly. You are free. You are entered. Yeah, so, yeah, so that was, um, that, it was the centenary year of Pebble Beach mixed with the 30th anniversary of the World Fallen Sun. So that event was back in May. So, yeah. Incredible. So, ordinarily, back to Pebble Beach, it is a par 72 course. However, Pebble becomes a par 71 during the U.S. Open. As we mentioned, they sh- changed really? a... Is that, is that what it is? So it says here in uh, my Wikipedia notes, which could so, be... Hang on. I, I don't... I'm guessing that's correct. I'm trying to think. We'll have of, to double check and fact check that. So the par fives are 18, 14, and... 18 is like the most famous call. Yeah, 18, 14, and then one on the... there's only, Yeah, so then there's only one on the front nine. And the one on the front nine is... It's not... Which the math checks out for it to be a 71. Yeah, it's not one, two, three. I love how you're rain manning this shit on the air. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the par five on the front is. Oh, yeah, it's it's, the par five in the front is number six. It's the par five, the famous shot that Tiger Woods hit. It's before the little par three. Yeah. Back to the water. So Tiger. There's so many fucking famous Tiger shots in this Well, when Tiger won by 15. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. In 2000. It was round two. He was wearing a white t-shirt, gray pants. I remember the shot vividly. He had in the right rough and he had like 217 yards to the hole. Yeah, yeah. And it's the second shot is about, you have to hit it about 40 feet above your head. Yeah. Up over a big cliff and Tiger was buried in the rough. I know what you're talking about. And he hit seven iron. The only reason why I know is because I played on Tiger Woods golf like yeah. 2003 right yeah, yeah, yeah. so he hit seven iron from 215 and of course the commentators were like well there's no way you can get this on the green is it because up uphill 215 right right it, it's right it's so it's like 240 exactly and he hit seven iron to 12 feet and rolled it so in. i think that's the same round i posted a, a video of him on 18 where he's underneath the tree and he has to hit this no like, no no that's power slice that's in 2010 that was when mcdowell oh, won. was yeah you're that right, was right, round right. three because he was still wearing that same outfit that white on white yeah he in, well he was actually wearing this beige color during that round during I, the seven iron you're yeah, talking about no during the one under the tree oh, okay okay i got you but he um yeah he finished t third i think in that event so i mean he had a great week yeah but, yeah yeah but yeah that was a famous shot so then we have established it is a 71 par 71 when the yep. course typically does play as a par 72 so pebble beach is widely regarded as one of the most beautiful courses in the world as we kind of talked about the uh the greens fees are outrageous so pebble beaches fee greens fees are among the highest in the world like I said, 525 plus 40 for a cart plus 9250 for a caddy. You're looking at like seven to 800 bucks. And that was in 2018. So, so yeah, a quick thing about the, um, <clears throat> about the, the not the green speed what did you say before that the most beautiful course in the world yeah if jack nicholas one of his most famous lines was um i saw it yeah if i had to play one round it's the one it'd be pebble it's the one and that kind of tells you all you need to know You're about the greatest all time you know you have augusta national you've pine valley you've, you've a few other courses that are probably ranked quote unquote ahead of it but when you know jack nicholas said if i've one round to play it's pebble beach tells you all you need to know when the ghost speaks exactly so, uh, a little bit of history, a little bit about course design for those of you who are interested in that. Pebble Beach was designed by Jack Neville and Douglas Grant and opened in February 26, 1919. So, that's how it uh, 2019 would be the centennial. Pebble Beach, as we mentioned earlier, has hosted the U.S. Open five times. Uh, in 1972, Jack Nicklaus won. 1982, Tom Watson won. 1992, Tom Kite. 2000, Tiger Woods. 2010, Graham McDowell. 
So almost surprising that it hasn't held at more times, to be honest. It does kind of seem surprising yeah. because it's Five one of the seems, most like seems it's historic, pretty iconic, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mean, I mean it, it's gone under some renovations and some changes, especially yeah, in the two thousand. Yeah, so like maybe that's it's why. just not, and it's not very long. And I mean, they've got fair. another one scheduled in twenty twenty seven. I saw. Yeah, and yeah. then they've got some other stuff. They obviously like, do they've it. Got a lot of stuff going okay. on out there, but yeah, it's there's a couple of others that have been like nine and ten time hosts. Uh, beyond it but like we were saying so like going back into some of these rounds some of these previous uh, championships in 2000 Woods finished 12 under par which must have made the USGA shit their pants and have nightmares for like well 10 years afterwards well I don't think it did well only because second only second the, place was plus three right Miguel and Jimenez and Ernie Els finished well, tight so second. he actually finished 15 shots ahead of the runner-up yeah which plus is three. the largest margin ever of victory Jimenez, at a major championship Jimenez Ernie and Harry all finished a plus three like hall of fame golfers yeah they got mopped by this course and tiger just annihilated and ernie ells his famous line he walked off 18 on sunday yeah and he said to her he quipped to reporters well i won the golf tournament that i was playing in <laughs> you know, the only one yeah because yeah, right, that guy doesn't fucking count that guy's alien all right so there's two signature holes that i have outlined here you tell me if you want to highlight any others. Seven so the, and 18. That's it. Yeah, there's so the two famous holes. The short par three seventh, which plays just over 100 yards during yep. uh, major championships, is one of the most photographed holes in the world. Yep. The player hits from an elevated tee. Uh, players hit straight out towards the Pacific Ocean yep. off Arrowhead Point with nothing in the background but the, the often violent Pacific Ocean surf crashing against rocky outcroppings. Yeah, that, that's a hole that conditions dictate how difficult it is. It's a mental, like, workout. Well, well, like, you have to hit it out into the ocean. Well, if it's calm and it's flat calm, yeah. it's the then, most beautiful, easiest hole ever. Okay, It's 100 yards, it's flat calm. I'm going to flick a little sand wedge or flick a little lob wedge down there and I'm going to hit but it. But it's going to be uh, blowing like crazy, the wind. Exactly. If the wind is blowing, which it which always it is on the ocean. normally does, then it becomes a scary little hole. Then you, like, then on top of having to adjust for 30 or yeah, 40 arse, yards of downhill, the whatever. The arsehole puckers up then <laughs> when you see the the waves of the, uh, the Pacific Ocean kind of bashing on the rocks. So, hole number two, the 18th, as you mentioned, which, yeah. you, which you already highlighted. Arguably the greatest closing hole in golf. The 18th hole is yeah. a medium length par five. It's about 550 yards with the Pacific Ocean along the left side. There's a giant tree in the middle of the fairway and a long 100 plus yard bunker running alongside the ocean guarding the left side yeah. of the green. We have one of the most famous stories from 18. 18 is a fantastic hole, iconic hole. Yeah. There's the famous trees that sit out there in the fairway. But one of the most famous stories, which I think most people know, some people probably don't know, was Tiger Woods and Stevie Williams on 18. Yeah. So not sure if you know the story. So when Tiger won there. Um, 2000? Yeah, in 2000. So in the second round, Tiger stood on the tee. Yeah. And he was going really well, playing fantastic stuff. And he snap hooked it straight into the Pacific Ocean mm -hmm. off the tee. He looked at Stevie and said, give me another freaking ball. And Stevie went into the bag and he realized that he only had one more golf ball in, the <laughs> golf, in his bag. And if you ran out of golf balls, you're done. You well, he'd be disqualified. Yeah. So he, you know, Stevie looked at him and he said, how about we hit an, hit an iron? And Tiger <laughs> said, what the fuck would I do that? <laughs> So, Did he tell him? No, he never. He, so He's he said, like, hey, he said nothing and he threw him the golf ball. Tiger stood up with driver and he mashed it down the miles down the middle 
and then he hit his fourth onto the green. Didn't he par or something? No, I don't think he made par. I think he he made six. He made a good six. A pretty pretty damn good six. Right, good six. But Stevie said he's never been more nervous anything in his life. So that greatest... Probably the greatest performance you in major history news cycle? could have been completely different. Tiger Woods DQ'd because his caddy forgot to pull extra balls. While he's up 15 strokes. Right, unbelievable. I would have told him. I know. I, you have to. No, you can't. You, you can't. have to. You no, could you be like, can't. dude, you're up 15 strokes. You could hit 15 well, balls. Well, no, he wasn't at we the time. One. It was like round two. Oh, I thought this was towards no, the No, no, he was up He was up significantly. Right. But, but it, it wasn't quite no, that. No, no, it was like round two. It wasn't all over. Yeah, no, no, no. no okay, no. so the interesting thing about the 18th hole, uh, it was originally an unremarkable par four. In 1922, really? I know that. yeah, in 1922, William Herbert Fowler added almost 200 yards to the hole. Oh wow! And reinvented it. Well, he Reven- fucking renovated. Just, he made it an, an iconic hole. That's right. He took yeah. it from being an unremarkable hole to being one of the most iconic closing holes in all of golf. So, you guys have put up with all of our nerdy historic bullshit, which I very much enjoy, but most people do not. Yeah, let's get into some storylines. Let's story get some storylines, boy. Yeah, there's all some right. great storylines this so, week. So, we got to start with the defending champ, Brooks yeah. Kepka. Brooks, who won last year, also won the year before. Yeah, fucking absolute madness if he was to go and win three. So, as you mentioned, when we were kind of going through the history of this course, there's only been one player who has three-peated in whatever, how many hundred, it was a yeah. hundred and so whatever count. year. It doesn't 119, count. Essentially, it doesn't count. It was in black and white, doesn't count. It was in 1903, 1904, and 1905, oh, yeah. and it was done by Willie Anderson of Scotland. Yeah, it doesn't count. So he's the only three-peat in U.S. Open history, and Brooks Kepka happens you know, to there, be... And there was probably 40 players playing in that tournament. Yeah. And it was probably and now it's like one three rounds and yeah, exactly now there's it's a completely different event. No one has done it basically ever in the last you know over a hundred in years. modern golf. Yeah, in over a hundred years, if Brooks Kepka was to go and win three in a row, my God, that it's, would be it's uncharted. It well, not only has he, I saw the stat about him the the time frame between winning his first major and his fourth major. He's a year and a half quicker than anyone else in the history of golf has ever right. done it. You, you know, you get the sense from Brooks that he he's kind of, he gets kind of pissed off, right? That people don't give him the love. And yeah. He's a little, no, he's, wh- it's, yeah, it's listen, he's whiny. Yeah, he's whiny. And people, people kind of, you can sense that from him. I can see, right, if he was, let's say he was to win this week, I could see him saying something that may piss people off. Like, I could see him saying, you know, people talk about Tiger chasing Jack's record. It's, fucking me that's fucking taking <laughs> well, shit it's he, me that's uh, chasing the record and i'm the fucking greatest ever i th- he's i think I, it was at last year's pga when like everybody was following tiger like three yeah. holes ahead of him and he wasn't even oh, yeah. in it really no, but he oh, was yeah. kind of in it yeah and he was pissed right and ever since then he's had like he's just had this he has this little thing i, I well good I, for fucking him i was talking about it with a work colleague yeah. um earlier on today and yet he you can kind of sense that He's probably going to say something real soon. If he, yeah. was, if he was to win this week, he's going to say something that it'll just make people kind of hate him probably more. Well, he could beat up most people. Yeah. He That's probably good. could, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even need a bodyguard. All right, what's our next storyline? Well, just before we jump into it, so pre- previously, Brooks Koepka, your defending U.S. Open Championship, he won at Shinnecock Hills uh, over runner-up Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood in 2018. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. I love Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy's my dog. Tommy, Tommy, Fleetwood. <laughs> Is that a real song or did you make no, that up? that's a fucking real song. That was, a, that was, from, the, that was from the Ryder Cup. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then the other part side is Molly, 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 oh, for, okay. Molly, 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 Nari. Yeah. Like from for uh, Mole enchiladas. It's the, they're it's it's a, like a soccer chant. <laughs> so okay, so in 2017, 
which also Kepka won. He won at Aaron Hills over Hideki Matsuyama, who's never yeah. won. So this is funny because these are two of the biggest names of runner-ups. Yeah, Aaron Hills. Are two of the biggest names who haven't got a uh, major championship in Hideki and Fleetwood. Yeah, Aaron Hills didn't go well for the USJ. They didn't like that event. Brian Harmon was also in contention. Yeah. Well, that so, says, says all you need to know about that tournament. We mentioned Willie Anderson, the only three-peat in history, and it was probably versus a field of 40 on three right. rounds. So that's that. Next Four story of them line. Were goats. So, there you have it. <laughs> yeah. So Rory McIlroy, fresh yeah. off a win. Yeah. So Rory McIlroy enters the week coming off a dominant win in the RBC Canadian Open, in which he near, narrowly missed shooting fifty nine on Sunday. He bogeyed eighteen. If he had birdied, he shot sixty one. He would yeah, have he shot fifty nine. It's funny. I was watching that. He kind of tightened up a little bit. Yeah. It, sh it shows you what um, what fifty nine means to to these guys, and and he, so Rory hadn't hit a bad shot all day. All day, he'd hit this high draw into every it's flag. so damn pretty. And then on 18, he kind of held on to one, and he kind of steered it, and it leaked out into the bunker. Yeah. And you could see in his face, he kind of had this smile on his face like, oh, fuck, that was... God, I got nervous there, and I kind of I kind of choked that one away a little bit. That was just nerves that got him. But either way, he was... It was an unbelievable performance. Um, he was amazing. He's one of the best... 64-61 on the weekend. Yeah. He's, so he's coming into this as hot as any player could possibly be. Yeah, I don't think he can ma maintain that level of golf. And he kind of has a, a, a history of being really hot going into these things and kind of falling flat, right? Somewhat? Yeah. I mean, that may be a little I, bit I critical. It, probably a little bit critical. Yeah. Here's the thing, and um, this is me kind of going off what Paul McGinley has said earlier in the week, and it was something that... Tell when, us who Paul McGinley is. Paul McGinley, former Ryder Cup captain. That's right. Multiple wins in the European Tour. European and, captain. Yeah, Lerp, yeah, legendary Irish golfer. So, Respected Paul, uh, analyst. I mean, he's a winning European Ryder Cup captain. Sure. Right? So Paul McGinley was asked, do you agree with you know, the statement that when Rory's on and he's playing well, there's no one else in the world like him? And he... Kind of, he gave an answer that I'd never really heard before, but it made a lot of sense to me, and I and I, I I tend to agree with it. What he said was that if you look at Rory's, he has what twenty two or twenty four PGA Tour wins. Over fifteen of them are when he finishes a twelve under or better. So yeah, Rory when he's on is better than anyone. However, it's only when it's it seldom. suits him. It's only when the course suits it and play dictates it, right? So Rory has it's like perfect storm stuff. Yeah, Rory has never shown us to this point that he's able to go out and shoot even par and win a golf tournament. Huh. Rory McIlroy does really, really well when he shoots twenty under par. Yeah. It's kind of soft. He can bomb at miles. He can hit it close. You know, and he it, can take over with power and, and just yeah. destroy a golf course with pure, pure power. The U.S. Open that he won at Congressional was a bog, and he shot like. What is a bog? A bog. A bog is a. It is a it's really, like a swamp. It's like yes. It's I thought a swamp. so, but I've never. Yeah, I thought that. Right, might it's be an swamp. Irish word yeah, yeah, for yeah. swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rory, so Congressional was a swamp, <laughs> and Rory shot like twenty on a par. Okay, or whatever he finished at, he was he got it really really deep. So, yeah, Rory does well in those situations. He hasn't shown us yet that he can win on a 7,000-yard golf course that is really, really firm and fast and show us pure accuracy with right. his irons and do those kind of things, right? So I don't know. I don't think... 
I would have Rory in my top. If you were to give me six guys, yeah. I would. there's six guys I would take, and then I'd take the field, and Rory would be one of those guys that's in the field. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him on my top six. So Rory, he's missed uh, the last three cuts at the U.S. Open, obviously at different courses, but... Doesn't that say a lot to you? Remember how many few cuts Tiger Woods has missed? Tiger Woods just never fucking misses cuts, and Rory's missed his last three U.S. Open cuts. So what's weird about it is, though, over that same time period, he's competed at the Masters and at the Open Championship. And so it's just odd that he struggled only at U.S. Opens. And this just so happens. He's coming in here really hot. He's a good pick. He's an interesting pick. But like you said, he, there's something strange about him. And there's also that fact that, like, for whatever reason, U.S. Opens are haunting him. Like, for, he doesn't yeah, do well. Yeah, he, he won one, and it was a regular PJ Tour I, I say event. he doesn't do well, and he's won one. But no, like, no, you but know it was I mean? a regular PJ Tour event, essentially. That's what congressional was. How do you was. mean? Because the winning score was, like, 15 under par. Okay. And there was multiple guys finished at double digits on the bar. It was soaking wet. Yeah. It was just, it was like a regular Which event. Which suits his game because he can Rory bomb it and land it soft, exactly. right? Yep. So uh, Rory's last major win came in 2014 at the PGA Championship at Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, I have one last random Rory McIlroy factoid before we can move on to the next storyline. Yeah. Rory, his other, his, his other win besides the RBC was earlier this year at the Players' Championship. Yeah. Uh, Big it, win for him. It just so happens that the U.S. Open and the Players' Championship are the two highest purses of any PGA Tour or any other event, and they are tied for $12.5 so so the the So the winner gets like $2.2 yeah, million. The, the entire purse fucking is like, outrageous. The entire purse is like two point or twelve point five. And they're the biggest in the world. And they're the two biggest, and nobody else even comes close. Yeah, the biggest Open is probably next, and the Masters is probably, probably close. Yeah. But So I thought that was kind of interesting that Rory won the other $12.5 million purse, <laughs> yeah. and this one 12.5 I maybe mean, there's a little he loves bit of, fucking cash maybe there's I a little mean, mojo there actually that's a great show you know? i kind of really like I thought that there was just kind of like a yeah. little that's worth noting and he's he's incredibly rich and i think he likes money so maybe he just wants to win the events that have the most money available i'm not gonna lie to you i really what? like money too yeah <laughs> money's cool i, ha I hate money <laughs> i'm irish you just send me yours okay yeah, okay that's fine <laughs> all right let's move on yeah Tiger. There's yeah. so many fucking storylines. I didn't even write much. All I have here is that Tiger returned to the site of arguably the greatest performance in major history of yeah. his 2000 Pebble Beach destruction where he won by 15 strokes. Uh, yeah, it was. It's, you know, in the golfing circles and in the uh, in the sports world, it is, uh, it's definitely, I think, considered the greatest ever major championship performance. Right, because he just beat them to death. Yeah, the like, most dominant. There was dominant. nobody even within miles yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it was probably the most incredible one we've seen. Um, I think with Tiger this week, it's funny. There's so many storylines for Pebble that Tiger, Tiger never goes under the radar. But if there was a week where he might not be the biggest storyline, yeah. it could be. There's kinda, so many storylines. Yeah, it could almost kind of be this week. I, th I think, you know, there's just lots of things in his favor. I think Rory winning last week helps him because yeah. there's lots of pressure on Rory. The biggest story is probably Phil. Phil's six seconds, and it's his birthday on Sunday, and all these other things. Phil's three three bullets down. We're gonna yeah, get to it. Yeah, you have that story. You have DJ. You have Speeds playing well. You have you're all, like Notre Dame is right, over here you, you, listening off my storylines. You have yeah, you have Brooks Kepka going for three feet. You just have all these things that kind of mean that Tiger's kind of coming in here, and because of how he played at. 
the PGA. Yeah. And everyone knew he was going to play that way. I Rusty. I told you that's that's what was going to happen. Rusty it was an was MC. Exactly it was going to be an MC. And so that's what I was going to say. Like, let's go back on what we've said about Tiger the last couple of tournaments he's played in, including the Memorial. He was in the hunt. In the in the hunt. Here's what here's what I'm going to say about Tiger. But we did go into it thinking he's come rusty. Sunday, this is his only com- competition. Come Sunday, Tiger Woods will be in one of the, I will say, one of the four last groups. You on think Sunday. so? So he will be within tied eight or better. Okay, come Sunday. I like that. That's what I. That's my. That's prediction. a bold prediction. He will be in one of the four or three last groups. Okay, that covers our our Tiger Woods storylines. Let's move on. Spieth. Spieth, as we've he's my covered, like, week. how many weeks in a row? I don't yeah. know. We keep on highlighting he's him because pick. he's he's putting like crazy. Yeah. And he, his iron play is kind of coming around, kind yeah, of is. not. But it's coming into form, and he is in position to be, it's to, to win. He's on yeah, the verge it, of breaking through. It's not even his iron play. So it's, with Jordan Speed, obviously it's his putting, but then the next part is how he drives the golf ball. And he'd lost his confidence with the driver. He has that back now. He has the ability to move it both. Speed is one of those guys who who moves it right to left, and right. he needs to move it left to right. He looks similar to Tiger, not that Speed is remotely close to Tiger ball striking, but he's not. He's one of the guys that he moves it both ways, right? Yeah, he there can aren't there, it. right. There aren't many of the guys. Most of the guys move it one way, and they never like to move it the other way. Speed is one of those guys that hits it right to left and left to right. Right, similar to Tiger, hits it right to left Curves and it. left to right. So, um. Yeah, I think Speed is my pick this week. Interesting. I, as I, I said earlier on our previous Buttercut podcast, I'm going to pick Jordan Speed every week that he's playing until he until wins. Until he proves you otherwise. Because he's so close. He is going to win. He is too good. and He's, he's going to lead the field in putting every week. Listen, and Jordan Speed is one of those guys that I think when it's all said and done, he could win four or five U.S. Open. Sure. He's, he's super he, young. He, well, but he's just made for the U.S. Open. Yeah. Jordan How do you Spieth, mean by that? What I mean by, by, by that is he's so mentally strong. He's so mentally stronger than so, so many of the other top guys. Right. And when I, think of, when I think of a golf tournament, right, and you think of, okay, if you finish even par here, you're going to win the tournament. The first person I think of is Jordan Speed. Huh. He's just a grinder. He knows how to get around. Like... Here, it's it's actually a good point. This, um, the exact opposite of how Rory McIlroy is, I think Jordan Spieth is. So the harder the golf course, the better Jordan Spieth plays. Right. Jordan Spieth wins events where even par to 10 under is going to be your winning score. Because really of the putter, diff- right? Really, yes, exactly. And his short diff- game. And his, men- and his mental like, ability. Because he doesn't get difficult, worn down. Difficult golf courses where going really low isn't what you have to do. When you have to get to 20 under, right. that's not Jordan Speed's thing. But McElroy, he'll get you to 20 under. Sure. Right. So, yeah, I, I love Jordan Speed. This Something week. about Speed's, like, his mentality, like the air he puts on, it reminds me of, like, super powerful, rich, conservative yeah. white guys. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a, a bush. Like, he feels like a bush or pretty something. Sure, pretty you know sure I mean? he is. Like, like, I think he's pretty... I think He's, he's pretty plugged in, I think. I think he's a cousin of... Bush Jr. He kind of yeah. has that air yeah. to him. I agree he, with you. He looks at you and you're like, oh. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I think that plays in his favor. Yeah. Okay, so Spieth. A win would tie Spieth with McElroy and Kepka 
in the uh, pantheon for, of, fu- for of, four majors of current golfers with four majors. Yeah, Spieth is one of he's a U.S. Open, a Masters, and a PGA. It says here there are only five active PGA Tour golfers with five or more majors. Only five active. Okay, let me name them. You have Tiger Woods. You have Phil Mickelson. He has five. Mickelson yeah. has yeah. Mickelson has has more than that, right? He's only have six. He has four Masters. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's Continue. four Masters and he's two PGAs and he's an open. Mickelson, I think, is seven. Okay. So you've Tiger, you've you've Phil. Five, you said five active. That's what it says here. PGA members who have more than who have five or more. I, I I pulled this directly out of an article and I only okay. I well, didn't like on, actually look up. Well, hang on. Let me let me think about this for a second. Tiger and Phil. Uh. Ernie does not have You know five. what, though? This does not. Because Tiger and here. Phil are the only two people I can think of who have more than five. Because there's a bunch of people less than that. So the way that the sentence ends is quite odd. Okay. So it says, only five active PGA Tour golfers with five or more majors, and only Kepka and McElroy are younger than 43, which neither Kepka nor McElroy have, have five. five because they no, just they said only they have, have four. four. I don't know what the, exactly this writer was saying. I would um, I would. Go so as it's far basically as to, Phil and I Tiger. I would go as far as to say it's only Phil and Tiger that are active PGA Tour players who have we'll look that up. five or more. We'll look more. that up and address it in the next episode. I mean, that's that's the only people I can think of. Because the only guys who have, who have you know, you have Ernie and Kepka and McElroy and all yeah, those guys. We already guys, addressed their four. Right, four. Okay. So, so there's that. There's my shitty stat that was not quite right and, and worded incorrectly. Next storyline. Yep, go for it. DJ Demons, as in Dustin Johnson. So during the 2010 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, DJ shot a final round 82, when <laughs> Which a 77 yeah. would have got him into a playoff to win versus Graham McDowell. So he he shit the bed in epic proportions in 2010, and now he's here for yeah, I either think, payback or well. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's too dumb to think about payback, to be honest. I know. It's so Him great. It's kind of refreshing. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. he's just straightforward. Yeah. If I, he misses, it's probably because he lost concentration. If you if you A look putt. yeah, if you look back at that US Open final round, right? Um, I actually just watched a video the other day of the USGA are posting these cool videos to YouTube where There's a ton of cool footage out there. Yeah, but so they've taken all the winners at Pebble Beach. And they do like a, so they have Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Tom Kite, Tiger Woods, and Gray McDowell. Yeah. And they're, they posted these like eight minute videos to YouTube. Yeah. And it's called, uh, so how it starts is Gray McDowell's one in 2010. It says, hi, I'm a, he's holding the trophy, the US Open trophy. And it says, right. hi, I'm Gray McDowell. And this is my 2010 US Open. Story. And then it kind of, it's commentary and it's, you know, about the tournament where there's clips and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it's, 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 they're awesome videos to watch. And I think one of the things that I, I watched Graham McDell's video the other day and, uh, it starts off with the fourth round and DJ has a, he had a three shot lead, I think going into the last DJ round. DJ did? Yeah. He had a three shot lead. I'm and pretty then he sure. shot an 82. But on the second hole, right. He misses the green on the second hole. And around the greens and all the bunkers, they had uh, the fescue was all really hot, really tall, right? The rope was really high, fescue was really high. DJ gets in there around the green and the fescue, and he tries to hit a chip left-handed. Why? 
just because <laughs> is there a reason it's funny when you when i watched the video again i remember it happened i remember watching it and so apparently he couldn't take a stance right-handed but it didn't look that bad it almost looked like he could have taken a stance right-handed but he got in there left-handed he took no time at all he said it's a wedge yeah, it was like it was. He was around the green. He took no time at all, and he whacked it left-handed, and he advanced it about five yards, maybe. Then he stood up to it again, and from the rough, from not a, it, it was an okay lie. He tried to hit this kind of flop shot, and he went right on the golf ball, and it moved like about two feet. And this was on the second hole, and Gray McDowell says he took no time in between shots, and he could see in his eyes. He wasn't. He wasn't ready. He's quitting. He wasn't there, and he and he just knew he was flustered. And McDowell said, "All I tried to do was make pars and stand up on the tee and right. make pars. So just yeah. hold on, because he's he's melting down. So yeah. So DJ has those demons. I think um, the other thing that people are talking about a lot, right? Back it, then, he was also abusing cocaine, so he might have been sweating <laughs> off like a really bad hangover. Listen, that's probably exactly that's what. No, that's actually exactly probably what. He, was maybe happening. he didn't sleep the night. He'd before. been ripping tutors all night. Tutors, yeah, and he say uh, that one more time. Tutors, that's right. Yeah, he'd been ripping tutors all night, and he was in it. Yeah, he was sweating. He had the sweats. He his, decided his head to hallucinate head, and hit yeah, left hand for no right. reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to concentrate. That's I'm actually sure. probably exactly what happened. But so <laughs> the uh, yeah the other thing then with that with DJ is you know. People been saying this about Phil as well. Is that the t- that if DJ winning twice in the pro am here in the one they hold in February, the AT and T pro am, yeah, Pebble Beach means absolute fuck all because there's no pressure and it's a kind of a different setup. It's everything, right? Kind of, it, kind of a different setup. I mean, firstly, there's no half measures. Firstly, it's a different fucking. There's setup. three fucking golf courses. Okay, involved oh, in, I didn't in that, that tournament. There's Monterey Peninsula, right. Spyglass Hills, mm-hmm. and Pebble Beach. They pebble they play Pebble Beach twice, right? Mm-hmm. They Pebble Beach one of the three first three rounds and then the last round. Right. It's it's in February. The greens are maybe some of the worst greens on tour for any tour event. They are slow, they are bumpy, they are awful. Huh. It's cold, it's wet, it's like a bog. Yeah, it's a bug. It's 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 a swamp. Oh, a uh, a uh, swamp for yeah. those of you in so America. So it's a, it's not. So it's no, it's no bearing, or it has no impact at all on this week. I would say it completely his previous nothing. experience to this his, point. His right, previous success. right. It's freezing success. So Tiger, do you w- think that Phil's previous success this no, year has absolute? Any, so no play. No, the only okay. The only because impact, they only play like two rounds out of four. Here's the impact. I will tell you that will have. And it's cold. It'll ha- it'll be the Poana greens. So the Poana greens are are you know they're a little difficult to play. They get bumpy in the afternoon. Yeah, from four feet and in, they can get a little tricky. This week though, the greens will be quick. They'll be firm. They'll be perfect. They'll be not like Poana. They'll not like especially not like Poana in February. However, Poana is the type of grass. Grass, yeah. Sorry, it's a type of grass. No, no you you said yeah. that. I'm just double checking. So, I've been drinking. but I think um. This week, the only impact that having success at Pebble will have on this week is that you like Poana Greens. I got you. I think so that's that you the like the way they roll, yeah. which is important to Phil's game, especially because yeah. he's he's a touchy putter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. I've got just a couple more DJ uh, notes. So despite having been ranked number world number one over long stretches since 2017, 2018, 2019, he has one major to his name. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, DJ has finished 
top two in each of the first two majors. So he finished one behind Tiger at the Masters earlier this year. And then he finished two behind Kepka at the PGA, which he was close on that one, actually. Kepka kind of started to waver, and then actually DJ kind of really shit the bed. And yeah. And had a couple of bogeys there at the end. Yeah, Kepka. Yeah, well, listen, Kevko was never going to lose that event. Right. He, so, was, he was in the driver's seat like the entire time. Yeah. It, it could have happened had DJ, DJ not well, listen, bogeyed those two well, holes. Well, yeah, DJ kind of just made it interesting yes. for everybody for a minute. What did he do? And, like a 39 on the front or something like that? Like, he did something that would Well, Ke- and Kevko made like three in a row, bogeys in a yeah, row. Yeah, yeah, DJ made a couple of birdies. But Kevko was never, ever going to lose. Right. So I mean, he was definitely in the driver's seat the right. whole time. Like, the, like all of the coverage was like, well... What are the other storylines? Because this guy's got this shit wrapped up. Yep. All right, next storyline. Phil, who is the best at being second at yeah. Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open. So Phil Mickelson. So Brad, yes. this is the biggest storyline of the week. This is the one right. you think, huh? It's the one for me. So it's a double storyline, it so happens. So the first, the first <laughs> wrinkle of the storyline, Phil has the most runner-up finishes in U.S. Open history at six. Yep. He, ran, he was runner-up 99, 2002, 2004, 2006, 2009, and 2013. Like we said just a few minutes ago, Phil won Twice at Beth Page to Tiger. Go Twice on. at Beth Yeah. So he's finished second, which is finishing last, every uh, more times than anybody else in, in U.S. Open history. Yeah. He, like we said, he played Pebble earlier this year and won in February at the AT&T, but that doesn't necessarily mean shit. No. So, side note, the oldest person to win the U.S. Open championship was Hale he Irwin. Hale Irwin. He was 45. In 1990, he was 45 years yeah, and 45. 15 days. Okay. Phil's 48, and you say he's turning 40. He's gonna, well, he'll be 49 when he wins on Sunday. That's incredible. So, he's yeah. four full years older well, minus 15 he's, days. He's also hitting bombs. He really he is says. hitting bombs. He's hitting so. it as far as he, he has calves like a 22-year-old. I thought he was shaving them, and I called him out in one of my Instagram posts. He's got a little, he got a little peach hair on there. Yeah, no, Phil just looks like he could be one of those guys that doesn't grow a lot I of think, leg uh, hair. I think actually people over 45 lose their leg hair. Uh, yeah, That's my theory. I, I, think, I think you're fucking right. I think so. Not only that, I think Phil is one of those lads where if, we, if he was to take his pants off yeah and we get a look at his arse yeah i think you'd say jesus he shaves his arse but then you'd get up close and go you know he doesn't he just has a beautiful smooth arse i'm sorry i have to do this <laughs> there it is yeah, there it is the first it, it, blast the f- horn <laughs> phil has phil no has hair a, on his ass uh, he has a beautiful beautiful shaved well it's properly manicured it's not shaved it's just beautiful smooth. i think they call that look the arizona state butthole that's ex- I mean, how did he rocks you know? that, right? That's exactly what he rocks. Yeah. 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 He knows where he's from. So, Phil. So, yeah, Phil's the biggest storyline. Six runners up. I think. He's the oldest son of a bitch ever. And yeah. he would be by five years or four years if he, he was would, to win. Listen if, listen, if he is in contention come Sunday for this U.S. Open, if he's in one of, you know, if he's within, say, four or five of the lead and he's in one of the final groups. Okay. It will be one of the greatest fucking U.S. Opens we will ever watch. Incredible pressure, incredible TV. Honest, see, and there's a couple of things that make me think that Phil is all about pressure and living up to the hype and doing things that people think are crazy. And that's like his golf. It is game. He embraces that. Yeah, and it kind of gives me hope that it. 
you know, I'm a Tiger Woods fan, right? And when I grew up, you were either Tiger and most people, most people were Tiger and everyone hated Phil. Right. God, I would love nothing fucking more than to see Phil Mickelson win. It's funny win how the ties change. Yeah, no, Phil Mickelson winning this US Open would be the coolest thing that we Do you think it's seen. possible? Absolutely it's possible. There you go. I did it right this time. I had to redeem myself. Yeah, absolutely it's possible. Okay. So, onward. Yeah. More old people. What's next? The Sergio Garcia streak. Of streaks of missed consecutive missed cuts in majors? Bad streak. Jesus so Christ. So we've got well, Sergio Garcia. How many is he, he in has, seven? He has missed seven straight major championship cuts. His last made cut. Was the one he won? No, no. No, it wasn't Augusta. It was at the 2017 uh, Open Championship, but it was like, oh, uh, okay. he finished like 30th or something. So he'd won shit. the Masters, and then he played in the US Open, and then he made the cut at the British. That's, and he made both of those. Okay. And then that was the last time. And then he went MC, 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 MC. That's MC. right. That's right. Back then, I still had a, both ACLs. <laughs> I tore my ACL right after that. Did so, you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Still, well, still, hey. Well, thank God you don't do anything physical. No more dunking other than for me. sit on podcasts. I read a Can lot. Can you dunk? I read a lot on the internet. Can you dunk a basketball? Used to could. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had hops. Oh, fuck. I was kind of like not that fast. and Like I had good lateral movement, well, yeah, but you're I could white. get up. Yeah, you're well, white. Well, I had that one trait. Okay. I yeah. could jump. Okay. Uh, so there you have it. So Sergio wait, Garcia. So Sergio missed seven in a row. Do I think, well, here's the call. Do you think it comes to an end this week at Pebble? Um, He's been playing decently, hasn't he? He's been playing pretty well. Yeah, like, I, not wins, I, but, like, to not be honest, cuts. I actually, I have no fucking idea how Sergio's playing. Here, There's two things I want to say in that. One, he won, he won his major, and he's a fucking Masters champ, so I don't think he gives a fuck what the fuck he does the rest of his career. He's kind of playing with... I'm sure he'd like to win, though. Well, yes, but he's playing with house money now. Right. You know? Uh, secondly, I think Pebble is definitely the type of place that suits him down to the ground. You Pe do? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sergio... Why hit, is that? Okay, Sergio's a great driver of the golf ball, tees it low, hits this little low penetrating little cut. Yeah. He's incredibly accurate with his irons. The greens are really small. So Pebble... Everything's pinched, right? Yeah, like Pebble, it's really small. You know, Pebble would be kind of compar comparable to Vald um, Valderrama on the European tour okay. in Spain. Valderrama, one of the most iconic golf courses, tiny little greens, mm -hmm. really little narrow fairways, very, very difficult place to play. Sergio has won at Valderrama multiple times in the European Tour. Interesting. It's in Spain. I, I reckon... So that style of play suits him. Yeah, I reckon Sergio plays well this week. You think he makes a cut? I, I'm going to say Sergio finishes top 15. Okay, I got to do one more. Yeah. Oh, top yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. for I Sergio this I'm week. I'm like warning you. I'm like a yeah. nerdy white guy. Yeah. Hey, here comes Sergio, Sergio top 15 this week. That's my call. I like it. I like it. That's actually, it's a, it's a pretty big flyer too, considering how many missed cuts we've got in a row. My uh, my last storyline, then I've got some betting odd stuff, a little bit of other things, okay. but like we're getting towards the Go end of this it. bad boy. You guys have really done it. This has been a great episode. All right. We've got first-time winners, which is always a, a key topic in all majors. You want to know who the closest to the top are, who have not won a major, and who have the most pressure on them to do so. Yeah. So we've got the top seven players in the world all have major championships. Yeah. And three of them, Kepka Woods and McElroy, have multiple the next eight have none. So we've got Cantley, Patrick Cantley. Wait, what What number in the world is Cantley? Uh, eight. Uh, I don't know if he's eighth. I'm assuming but he you is. have him. Well, he's been on such a hot streak of late. Let me look it up real quick. That would be amazing if he is eight in the world. That's oh. pretty high for him. Um, 
Patrick Cantley. Yeah, I don't know. Has he won the Memorial, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he's an unbelievable player. I mean, Cantley was one of those guys. So Cantley was the number one pl- amateur. Yeah, he's eighth. Okay, so Cantley was the number one ranked amateur in the world. And when he turned pro, he I remember he shot 60 in his like first event. He, I, I think he could have shot 60 in the PJ Tour as an amateur. He was like that guy. He was going to win it all. And then he like tore, he got hurt. He, he, t- he messed his back up. Yes. So he messed his back and he, up. And he, and he missed a whole year. He missed a whole year. And then on top of that, in the midst of all that, his best friend from high school was his caddy. And when they're in California somewhere, he got ran over, hit and run and killed. Oh. And oh, like that was Jesus. part of like his like recovery. I made I made some notes here that are yeah, so deep in this bad boy. So Cantley, like, yeah. So Cantley was basically he he's one of those guys that he was going to be the next like yes best golfer in the world, and then a lot of fucking shit happened to him, and he's and he wasn't who he was supposed to be for those few years, and now he's back to where yes. he actually belongs. He was and, incredible in college. He was incredible yeah. as an amateur. And he, so he is going to be one of the best players in the world for the next 20, 20 years. That's so here it is. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking for the year. 2011, he qualified for the U.S. Open as an amateur. The following week, June 24th, Cantlay shot the lowest round in PGA Tour history by an amateur yeah, when he 60. shot a course record 60 at the yeah. Travelers Championship yeah, I remember at TPC uh, River Highlands. River Highlands, yeah. So uh, he holds the most consecutive weeks at number one at 54 as uh, an amateur. amateur yeah. Number one amateur in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he, he'll be number one in the world at some point. And he, uh, he held the record for the most total weeks, number one, 55, until John Rahm took it in yeah. 2016. Yeah, Conley will be he'll be a number one uh, professional. So that's here that's point. a long winded way of saying he's, he's incredibly good and he's very good yeah. and he's coming up and he's and he's going to win a majors. Yeah, so he he's going to be in contention and yep. it's it, him being eight is no not a fluke. No. All right, who's next? Let me uh, let me get these notes back up. I got too deep in the world golf rankings there. Okay, yeah. uh, so. We were talking about the uh, the next eight players. Do not catch Patrick Cantley was the first. Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau. He's gonna he actually, and I've said this before. Yeah, I think DeChambeau will win multiple. Another big pedigree I amateur th- player. I think he'll win multiple U.S. Opens. He's that type of guy. I don't think this is the one though. He's really no, off right now. No, no, and yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I just think, firstly, he's. Unbelievably good golfer. Agreed. He doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks about what he does, how he does it. Which we've talked about before, and I like that. Tiger Woods plays with him in the practice round every week. They play the practice round this week. So Tiger sees something in him. Um, Tiger likes Nickelback too. So like that's not necessarily <laughs> a vote of confidence, no, no, but Tiger not. is but the yeah. goat. So so um yeah, Bryson, he Bryson won the US amateur. Right. I just think I think Deschambeau is gonna win in the US Open. I think that's going to be a It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's a matter of time. Before I just don't think it's this year because he's he's in his head right no, now. No, yeah, I he's don't. He's missing cuts and listen, I losing don't, his fucking I don't mind. disagree with that. He's a hothead too. Absolute hothead. He's a maniac. Well, and he does so many things that are like, that are not normal. Like yeah. he, 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 which is, is a benefit to his game in the long run. But in the short run, if he's off, it's still something that's relatively new to him. Like he hasn't yeah. been playing with these giant fucking grips for like more than a couple of years, yeah, right? No, it's not like he's been doing his whole life. So yeah. like if something kind of falls apart, it's not something that it just kind of goes away. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's got these like so many quirky, weird things that he does that it's odd. But it also plays into that makes him 
who he is and, yes. and makes him really good. Well, I mean, good. maybe he, he reduces the fucking Because he doesn't thing, give a shit what anyone else thinks. And he's putting side saddle and wearing weird yeah, hats yeah, and doing what the fuck yeah. he feels like. Exactly. And what, people make fun of him. He does not give a whatever shit. whatever makes the ball go in the hole fewer than the next guy, the guy beside me, that's all that matters. I I went through like only two weeks where I was like, this guy's an asshole. And then I came back oh, and I was no. like, I like this guy. This guy's great. Listen, I like him. And that's not a popular... Um, that's not a popular train, with you. train I like of thought. Him. I kind of like him because hey, he just this podcast is pro Bryce DeChambeau. Yes. Fuck the world. Okay, next. All right, next. Xander Shoffley. Yeah, he's a big pick this week. I've got a lot of texts from people. He's young, man. Yeah, I've had a lot of texts from people, uh, including a load of my uh, Irish mates um, who think who have money on Shoffley this week. They do. Yeah, Shoffley is a is a very popular pick amongst people. You get good value on him. You sure. Get, yeah, you get good numbers. He's a he's a California boy. He's really good at everything. So he, he's plus twenty eight hundred to win. Yeah. So he's really good at everything. He's he's not he's small, but he actually kind of hits it. A no, good he distance. mashes. Yeah. It. It's he does. He's not short by any means. He's a good ball striker. He's a good chipper. He's good and he's, he's a good really really good putter. Yeah. He's another guy. He's gonna win. I would say he'll win multiple majors. Yeah. And he's going to win one here very soon. Mm. So Shoffley is a very popular kind of under-the-radar pick this week. The next one's probably the most popular player to not have won. Your boy, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Ricky said earlier this week, he goes, um, he said, you know, if I don't win a major, that won't define my career. Maybe he's just trying and to talk himself into it. I know he, he doesn't is, believe and, it. And, you know, that sentence, I would say the exact opposite. If he, if Ricky Fowler was to never win a major, it would one hundred percent define his golfing. Well, career. maybe he's looked at it that way for the last ten I think years. He's been on tour. Yeah, he's like, I got to look at this different. Yeah, it's probably. I got to change my it's mind. It's probably the only way he can he can look at it. I can't be this. I, think, I can't put this much pressure. Listen, it's Ricky, Ricky Fowler is going to win one. He has to. He's amazing. He's player. unbelievably good. He's the best. He's probably the best putter out there at the moment. Honestly, I kind of liken him to Steph stroke. Curry. He's like the Steph yeah. Curry of the PGA. Like that's the kids a, love him. That's a fun. He wears that fucking that bright orange. Every kid I see that's under fifteen years old is wearing bright orange and the Puma shoes and Puma head to toe. Uh, that's a fantastic. He's very uh, popular comparison. Yes. Yeah. And I think he's got the game, obviously, to do it. If he, you like you said previously in the last week, that he just has to avoid those big numbers. Otherwise, he's yeah. good, right? Yeah, that's a fantastic reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the uh, Steph. He needs to get more splash in his game. Exactly. Next, John Rahm, who is yes. actually a pretty pretty good candidate for the first of these fellows to win a major. He's he's looked at as a similar character to Sergio in the fact that he is a hot-headed kind of maniac, but he's young and he mashes the ball. And when he's on, he's really, really on. And like when you see kind of like the the stories about him, like the background stories, he's like a really good guy. He just is a polar. He hits the poles when he gets pissed off. Like his 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 chemicals are off. So yeah. what do you feel? How do you feel about about Rom? I like Ram. Uh, I think, he, yeah, he's going to be someone that wins majors. He's really, really good. Yeah. 
Uh, he's just a fucking maniac. He's just too angry and young. He's way too angry and he's way too hot. I used to be fucking angry when I was 22. <laughs> I'd kick a fucking hole in the wall yeah, well, if I lost was, my video game. That was game. because, when the, you know, you would go to try and finger a babe and she'd <laughs> turn you down and you'd get all pissed off. And yeah. You never do know. No, I mean, but, no, I think, I think what Ram... Emotion swirl. <laughs> I think what Ram... Um, yeah, listen, he's unbelievable. He, again, he's another one of guys. He doesn't have, like, a weakness in his game. Another Arizona State butthole guy. Yeah, he loves his buttholes. Have you seen his chick, actually? She's an Arizona State Yeah, an Ar- no, no, Arizona State chick. Um, he drives it well. They've got a good brand over there. Yeah, his drives it well, his irons are good, he chips it good, and he pulls Did you good. say dry as a well? Drive, he drives it drives well. Well. Yeah. Ah. Drives it well. Drives it well. I say, whatever the fuck dry as a well does. <laughs> he, yeah, he, his irons are good, he chips it nice. And he puts well. He does everything well. You'd think he's going to win some things. He's just a bit of a maniac. So, so we got three more players that are on that top eight on. list that are kind of boring. We got Matt Kuchar. We know Moot Cooch. I think, listen, Cooch is in my, in my sixth this week. That Finished I, second last weekend. So I, I had six guys this week that I think, if you give me these six of the field, I'll take these six. Okay. Let me hear them all. Speed number one. Okay. DJ, number two. Okay. Coocher uh, number three. Snediger number four. Ooh. Yep. He looks like a hobbit. <laughs> yeah. Just a really tall yeah, one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I have Tiger number five. Okay. And Shoffley number six. Mm-hmm. So they're my six that I have. I'll take those. You can have the field. It, the winner's coming from one of those six. You think so? Yep. So the two that you didn't mention that are left on this list, Tony Finau and Paul Casey. How do you feel about Paul Casey? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's just inherently English in that, <laughs> in that he's an inherent loser like like <laughs> the rest of those english fucks he's soft huh? luke donald lee westwood paul casey ian poulter they're just inherent listen this is this the is frosted be, tips losers listen th- this is harsh considering they've all had great careers and they've all won multiple events they've all never won majors nor will any of them ever win a major that's your stance no no it's not my stance it's fact that's just a fleetwood's fact an englishman isn't he yeah fleetwood is he I, I will talk because of his listen, mad flow. Listen, you're, you're, you you no, deal with it, yeah. It's it's too soon to make comment on that. Okay, but I will tar him with that brush shortly yeah. if he doesn't make a breakthrough. Absolutely, tar him and feather him. He'll Is that be, what you he'll mean by tar, that? He'll be tarred and feathered with that Whoa. brush. Say feathered again. Feathered. All right. He'll be tarred and feathered with that brush. So if he doesn't make a breakthrough. So these I got these three guys as like side notables of people who are not in that top fifteen in the world ranking, but that are very well-known players that have not won a major. So we just touched on Fleetwood. He's about to get tarred and feathered if he didn't pull it together. He finished runner-up, as we mentioned, to uh, Kepka a couple years ago. We've got Leishman, who I'm being generous putting in this list, but I think that he is a top cat. I think he's a great player. I'm a big Leishman fan. I thought you were going to Tom kite me on this shit. No, I love Leishman. You know what I'm talking about? My my brother said to me the other day, he's like, Peter, every time I see Leishman, I go, that kind of looks like you. And, and <laughs> he, he got the same and you, Well, yeah, just the same kind. He's kind of tall, same kind of body type. Yeah. And what's funny as well, Leishman's putter that he's using, yeah. I use the exact same no model shit. of putter. Yeah. So there you go. There you have it, Mark Leishman. Uh, so I'm a Leishman guy. Well, obviously I am if I put him in this category. My last guy, Hideki Masuyama, who I don't think is a stretch to put Masuyama. into this. I mean, he was in the top 10 of the world for a long while there for a minute. Yeah, you're a big Matsuyama guy. I've come to realize that. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm a big Matsuyama <laughs> you're guy. You're just but big that, into Asians. Well, I like Asians. Yeah, okay. I like all people. I'm, I'm yeah. a person of all. Amateur, I'm a rainbow person. Amateur Asian. So threesome. what I do like is players that 
can kind of distance themselves from the field with like extraordinary play, which he has the ability to or do. Or by waiting for a long time yeah. at the top of your backswing. That's very distracting. <laughs> it, it just hypnotizes every other there golfer. There was a tournament where he beat Webb Simpson in a playoff. and Where he, he actually didn't take mashing. a swing. No, he was <laughs> mashing the ball. And Webb Simpson had to hit like a fucking three wood. And he was like literally 250 yards behind him on the 18th. Yeah. And like... Matt Sian was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to chip this 80-yard <laughs> thing in and putt, and you're going to lose. And, yeah. and that's how that played out. Yeah. Uh, and ever since then, I think it was maybe the uh, waste management or something, whatever it was, he, he did things that looked generational in talent. Yeah. But no, I agree that, with you. That fucking pause uh, messes pause, me up. Listen, it's mesmerizing. It's like, you know, it's like being hypnotized by a geisha. You know, it's just this beautiful white-faced yes. geisha just kind of waving a, a little, like, a watch in your eyes. Except for he wears all, like, neon yellows yeah, and shit. Yeah, exactly. That shit bothers He me. looks like fucking him. Um, and he must be, like, sponsored by, like, Oakley from 1980 because he's always got, like, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, like the, the, the only Terminator thing, The only thing he's missing is a mullet, actually, to be honest. He's a tight with a mullet. And he'd fucking, he'd look like, uh, who's the who's the white rapper? Uh, fucking uh, Dale D'Antoni. Joey, uh, oh, you are out of my my oh depth man, here. Unless you're talking about Post Malone, I don't, I don't know. No, yeah, it is out of your depth. That's yeah, what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. So that's it, man. Like that's uh, that's that was where a great I'm podcast. At. That's what, well, so we got so just wait, a so, few uh, less so things. Let's well, okay, go ahead. So that those were the non-winner winner yeah. storylines. So we got some betting lines that we're going to look at. Yeah, if you would like to bet on the. Uh, on the U.S. Open, which I highly recommend you do, check out mybookie.ag. Use code BDC. That's backdoor cover, which is what we are being produced on, which we're being released yeah. on. This is the buttercup, but we're pushing that backdoor cover hard. Yeah. BDC, 50% on your bonus. So here is what we've got. Backdoor cover lines. We have the number one in odds is your boy, Brooks Rory Kepka. McElroy. It's McElroy. Plus 800, which What's is... Kepka? Oh, this shit's not in order because Kepka's 850. Oh, wait, no, it is. Okay. okay. So McElroy and Dustin Johnson are at 800. Yeah. Kepka's 850. Yeah. And then it falls to Tiger Woods at 1200. Spieth at 2000. Uh, the rest of them are kind of in that ballpark. Yeah. So uh, the Justin v- Thomas is plus 3000, although he's got he's that wrist playing, injury. And he's playing absolute fucking garbage. He I might would come around. I you would actually, know. no, I would actually bet on Jay, uh, Justin Thomas to MC this week. Is that right? That's where my money would go. Your value there is on. Your value there is on, listen, I'm going to tell you who the winner of this golf tournament is. Yeah. I'm telling you now. Let's hear it. Jordan Speeth is going to win. Jordan Speeth is, is going to win the U.S. Open. Okay. So Speeth is going to win the U.S. Open. So there's your ultimate value. So I've got something for you right here. Okay. The last two positions that I have marked here from mybookie.ag where you should use promo code BDC. We have Brant Snedeker, one of your boys, yep. at plus 5,500. Yeah, a lot of value there. You can take him. And this podcast's favorite motherfucking golfer in America Shane. and in Europe and wherever else you guys live. Shane fucking Lowry. Shane, Sugar Shane Lowry, What's plus 6,000. Oh, yeah. You see, so here's what you do. You take Jordan Speed to win. You take Snedeker and you take Lowry, both to finish top five. I don't know what odds you get. You'll probably get a third of whatever his winning odds are. Okay. So that you're gonna, mean, you're gonna parlay that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's that, well. That's no. The play. No. No. Here's your play. You take. Oh, these are three you, separate you, bets. Yeah. Three separate bets. Okay. You take speed to win, then you take Snedeker to finish top five, and you take Larry to finish top five, and you'll get 
on your odds, you'll get probably about a fifth or a sixth of the to win odds. Yeah. So you get a great you'll get a great odds on him to finish top. This five. is relevant because we don't have this or we didn't until very recently. You guys yeah. have been allowed to gamble since you're in your knickers, right? It's like so when I used to be in high school. Right. So for lunch, right? So lunchtime would come around the bell and ring. We'd walk across the street to the sandwich shop. Okay. I'd go and I'd buy a sandwich. What we, kind? We, oh, it used to be a French baguette okay. with turkey All right. co- coleslaw. I'm fucking hungry. Little lettuce. Yeah, turkey coleslaw lettuce. We haven't eaten dinner yet. So turkey coleslaw lettuce, We you buy a bag of chips okay. and you get a soda. Then you then you walk straight to the bookies. Mm-hmm. And you what? Go, oh, As a child? I, well, I'm in Young. high school. I'm in high okay. school. I'm okay, like 16. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Not technically a child. You go and buy a sandwich, a bag of chips, and a soda. At the sandwich store. Okay. Then you walk next door and you walk into the bookies and you sit down at the bookie desk. Okay. And you place your bets on maybe it was horse racing that was on. Maybe okay. there was a soccer match going to be on. Whatever felt good. But it was a couple of times. You eat your sandwich and you write out your bet and slip and you place your bet and then you go back to school. That's the rules. That's, that's what lunch was. God damn. That's a great country you live in. Yeah. It's a fantastic country. Yeah. I got to go visit. Yeah. I got a lot of things to do, so you're going to find that out on this podcast as we go. I'm going to I'm going to reminisce about how I would like to do some things right. often. All right, so wait. So my winner, Spieth, who's your winner? I hadn't actually thought through my winners yet. I've so been doing so much goddamn winner. research. Uh, One winner. Go into your hold head. On, who's hold winning? on. Tell me a little bit more about this betting or about this uh, about your sandwich with the baguette real quick. <laughs> I need one second to think through this shit. Well, firstly, you never ever won any money. That's just a fact of life. Okay. The bookie, the bookies always talk. Do your you money. ever get your kneecaps busted? No, you never got your kneecaps busted because that's just not the way we live over there because it's legal, right? So everything's kosher. Well, so, so like, so if in, you don't in, pay, in, does in, the in, government come for you, or well, do no, they like? No, you have to pay because you have in order to get your betting slipped, you have to give them the cash. Oh, you can't bet again. They're, yeah, they're playing to no, the hunger. You have to give them, hand them cash to get your slip. Oh, you placed the money. You don't yeah. like. There's, there's no, no way, tab. No, no, that's not a thing. There's no way to it's not, not have it. It's not the way we do it over here. Wow, now so, I'm shook. So, so when, so here's here's the thing: when gambling becomes legal here, you can't actually place your bet without getting your money from the ATM and handing it to the the bookie. That's that is the only way it works. Interesting. You, you can't go. Oh well, here's this pretend online thing that I'm gonna do. No, that's not the way it works. All right, so did you, you pick did a good yet? job of, of buying me time, and I'm still very uncomfortable. You're still uncomfortable picking a winner? Well, I've been drinking, and I can barely read this type Brad, at this point. Brad, so I'm going to go The winner's going to come from, tw- like, 20 guys. Yeah, I'm going to take. So who are you taking? Justin Rose. Oh, oh, wow, Justin I'm, Rose. He's coming in with new equipment. He's coming out of nowhere. So, he's, uh, the only reason why I say that is because he's good odds. Hey, so the one U.S. Open that I went to as a fan... Yes. Was at uh, Marion Country Club in Philadelphia. Okay. And the winner was? Rose. Just, Justin Rose. So it was awesome. I we, we had a great time that week, right? Mickelson came second. And um, we also, we were staying at the uh, Sheraton Hotel in downtown Philadelphia. Okay. And we went out one of the nights. I was with three of my friends. And we met four young ladies from um, Temple University. That's how it goes. And we went back to the Sheraton and we actually got kicked out of the oh. Sheraton Hotel. And we were made leave. This was about two in the morning. Uh-huh. And we had to walk back through downtown fucking South Philly. Ooh. Through Temple. It's to a get, dangerous place. To, to get to their place. Yeah. 
It was it So was, you lived though. Oh, I'm still here to tell so, the tale. So the reason why I'm picking him my problem with him is that he's the new equipment guy. And like every year the guy who's the new equipment guy is not gonna compete, especially yeah. in majors. Like it's just okay. too hard. Yeah. But because his odds are so good as a former number one within the last couple of months, I think that he's a good pick at twenty five or plus twenty five hundred. Okay. And then I also just I'm rooting at all times for Tommy Fleetwood. I like Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Tommy, Fleetwood guy. Tommy. And then I'm always going to root with Sugar Shane. But like, those are my and you two know, guys. And you know who we haven't fucking mentioned? Who's that? Frankie fucking Molinari. He's kind of really like, falling off. He's he, got good yeah. odds. Well, hang on. Like, no one mentioned. He's going to be there, thereabouts. That's what's going to happen. He is plus 3,300. Better than Rose. Christ. There is fucking value if everything. So there's another 33 one. to 1 on fucking Molinari. If this doesn't get you hungry, thirsty for some betting. Yeah. Then I don't know what will. I don't know what is. That was but, a great podcast. You know, we really did it. Let me uh, let me get a little bit of closing remarks here. Let's go through some social media calls. Yeah. What's your uh, what's your what's your Instagram? Handle? At Peter the Irish guy. At Peter the Irish guy. Yeah. You can follow me on at Peter the Irish guy. You can also follow us at the Buttercut Podcast. We're we're posting golf content like it's it's going out of style. Yeah. We're especially this things. week. Big week this week. We identified a couple videos that we're going to go pick up out of the archive and we're going to post here in a little bit. Please yeah. follow us. Tom, check us out. Tom Kite hitting the worst golf shot ever seen by live t television I'm going to have to post that, aren't I? It's f fucking fantastic. So yeah. that's coming up. We're going to continue releasing these full-on 100% Buttercut podcasts yep. on the backdoor cover soon enough in July for the uh, Open Championship, yep. which is going to be our favorite championship. Yeah, that's, that's it's going to be right. my favorite one of the well, year. I'm with Fort you, Rush. so that's that. Yeah, love it. We're boys. So that's kind of the, uh, the, uh, the plan. That's it and that's all. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you following along. Please send any uh, feedback, comments, whatever. Questions, DM concerns. Us. Hey, if you got a chain of the week Hatred. that happens to be in the golf world, whatever, if you <laughs> yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Cow. Yeah. No big deal. Uh, we appreciate you Shout listening. Shout out this my long. boy, Elkars. We're, we're probably running on like 130. Well, that's not how this works, but uh -huh. we're, we're running on an hour and a half at this point. Yeah, so thank you for it. listening. We appreciate you. This has been a great episode of the Buttercup Podcast. Uh, this has been a production of MWBK Creative. That's it. That's all. Good night. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Peace.